gifts are not tools in the sense of a physical tool, but they are things that God has given to the church, specific things for specific purposes. And so we need to know what those are. Just like a, a doctor, surgeon, you know, would have trouble making, um, using a, a pocket knife instead of a scalpel, when we actually understand what the gifts are, how they're used, the purposes and things like that, will be a lot more effective for ministry. So, before we read this text, I want to share this. Uh, the story of how Paul, the apostle, came to the church at Corinth is found in the book of Acts. He, came, he planted this church. Wasn't there before he got there. He came in, preached the gospel. People got saved, started this church. And he, he was with them for a year and a half. Now, Paul was a church planner. He was a missionary apostle, so he moved on and planted other churches. But while he was there, he taught them a lot of things. Now, in the space of time, we don't know how much time passed from when he left and went somewhere else, and this happened, but there's problems in the church of Corinth. Corinth was, as a city, a very pagan city. They had a lot of issues. And so some of the people in the church, they're talking to Paul. He's somewhere else now. And they're saying, hey, we got this going on, this going on, this going on. We need some advice. We, we need to know what God would have us to do about how to do church. So if you've never read the letter of 1 Corinthians, it's a corrective. That's basically what it is. This is a church with problems. You think our church has any problems? Answer is no. This church doesn't have any problems. Yeah, yeah, all churches have problems. You know why all churches have problems? Because there's people in them. I, but I want you, you might be in, in 1 Corinthians 12. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the very beginning. Because we're going to talk about problems. We're going to talk about people with problems. I want you to look at verse 2. This is Paul talking, and he says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Paul is writing to Christians. We may have problems, there might be issues, but we're in the family. This is a letter to the church. And that's important to realize because what, what's going on in, in Corinth? There's division in the church. Paul's finding out that there's this little group of people over here, and they're, they're, they're following this leader. 
There's other leaders that have come in after Paul. This group over here, they, they, they following somebody else. So there's division within the church. Then he, then he finds out that they've got issues with Christian liberty. Remember Corinth, a very wicked place. A lot of idolatry going on. A lot of pagan worship. A lot of them were saved out of pagan worship. What goes on in these pagan temples is they have sacrifices. And so there's, there's meat that's used. Well, because those idols aren't real, once you sacrifice the meat and you do your little chant and incantation, whatever, you still got this meat left. So the meat was being sold in the marketplace. You could get a good deal on it. Hey, who, who doesn't, who, you want to go somewhere and pay $4 a pound for hamburger meat or you want to pay $1.29 a pound for hamburger meat? So they're going over there and getting the, the meat from the idols. Some people are upset about that. It's causing their faith to be, that, that, that's idol meat. We can't use that. Some people are saying, oh, that's no problem. We're Christians. We don't have a problem with that. And, but they weren't respecting one another. Then there were people in the church. that they, they, These are the spiritual people. More spiritual than the rest. And they were, they were thinking that they're so spiritual. Jesus is, they're so in tune with Jesus that you can have sexual immorality going on. And it's okay. There's some guy in the church. Well, he's doing things with his mother-in-law. I'm just going to say that. And they were okay with it. I mean, this church has problems. You want to post a Pastor Wanted ad for the first church at Corinth, there's not going to be a whole lot of people come apply for the job. So in this... In this, there's also a problem with the spiritual gifts. That's why it's so important to, for us to read 12 through 14 together. But having said that, let's go ahead. We're now going to actually get into the text. And we're going to be reading 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. So if you have your place there, able and willing... I invite you to stand for the reading of the word. Paul says, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led away to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, 
to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Father, we ask a blessing upon this reading of your word and give us understanding through your Holy Spirit. We ask and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. <coughs> Very quickly, this is a basic... I just want you to get the idea. We're not getting into the individual gifts this morning, but I want you to have the idea of what what are they? What what's What's the purpose? Because it seems from this text, along with other passages that God's plan is for all believers to be active in ministry. Every member a minister. So if that's the case, let's see if there's indicators that support that idea. And the first thing we see, it's in the first three verses, is one indicator that supports the idea that all Christians, all believers, should be serving is that all believers are spiritual equals. Now, very quickly, and I'm not going into the history, but what I told you about Corinth was that there were people, there were divisions. And some of them, and it was in this area of giftedness, specifically the sign gifts. And the sign gifts were the more visible ones, that stuff happened. This is like the healings, the miracles, and speaking in tongues. They who had this gift were acting like it set them apart from the other ones. Oh, you're not as spiritual as I am. I have this sign gift. I speak in tongues. I do miracles. You don't. You're not as important as I am. And that's part of the problem here. That's part of the division. They were spiritually elite. But Paul starts out as he's saying, all right, another, he's writing this letter to answer a lot of different issues. And when he gets to this, he says, hey, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be unaware of this issue of spiritual gifts. He said, you came out of a pagan background. Uh, some of you were led to mute idols, but it doesn't really matter however you were led. That These were idols. They, they're not real. They have no power. But now, and what he's actually saying here in verse 3, a little difficult to understand with the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. But the main point is no one can say Jesus is is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't magic words. Can a non-believer say Jesus is Lord? Can a lost person say those words? Yes. But do they have meaning? No. Just like when you pray a prayer. We've heard of the sinner's prayer, haven't we? Does a sinner's prayer save anybody? It's not a trick question, but I want you to think about that. And the answer is no. If you repeat a set of words out loud, that doesn't save you. 
In a matter of fact, nowhere in the Bible do you find the sinner's prayer. It's not there. It's not there. It's about belief through faith in the finished work of Christ. Romans 9 and 10 say, With the mouth confession is made that the Lord is God, and with the heart man believes unto salvation. It's not the words. We're not, we're not practicing magic here. It's about, has God revealed himself to you through Jesus that you understand that you're a rebel sinner, that you've affronted and offended a holy God, and that you need Jesus to save you? And when you understand that and realize there's nothing you can do, and you, by faith, accept that, and you surrender your life to him, you're saved. It's not about the words. I've had people come up to me. They're not sure later. I've talked to them. They're not sure they're saved because they were afraid they didn't say the words right. It's not the words. It's the heart and the understanding of who Christ is and what Paul is saying. No, what sets people in the body of Christ is being saved. And when we get saved... We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. At the moment a person becomes a believer in Christ, the moment when they are transferred by the power of God from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, through their trust in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. And he stays with you forever. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 talks about we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're not going to get any more of him if you're a believer. Now, we can, of course, surrender more and more of ourselves as we grow in sanctification to the Lordship of Christ through the power of the Spirit. But you, you, when you got saved, you got all the Holy Spirit you're going to get. What these people were doing as believers, and then later on when they were having this sign gift, they started speaking in tongues, they considered a second blessing. And if you know anything about the Pentecostal, the charismatic churches, we're Baptists, so we might not get this. But they believe that, okay, you got saved people, and then when you start speaking in tongues, you have reached a new level in your Christianity. You're, you're a first-class Christian. These people over here, they're second-class Christians. That's nowhere in the Bible. We're, we're believers in Christ. And what is a sign of true spirituality that you can proclaim that Jesus is Lord? That's the point is Jesus Lord of your life today you know because it's one thing to say I know Jesus but is he the Lord of your life you can get, you can get caught up in do I have this gift that gift do I have the gift of knowledge do I have the gift of administration? Do I have the gift of helps? Do I have the gift of service? Do I have the... Make sure you understand 
And that in your life, the reality that Jesus is Lord of your life, that's the first step. And that's what Paul wanted them, because they were, they were misunderstanding the gifts. They were using them as dividing things. And Paul's saying, no, it's about being in Christ. See, we don't have any levels in the church. There's no secret levels. You don't have to spend a certain amount of time as a new believer, a novice, and then when you reach this stage, after you complete this thing, this thing, and this thing, then you're allowed into the next level where there's some secret knowledge that you don't have access into yet. You know what? When you become a Christian, when you put your faith and trust in Christ, it's all open to you. Every bit of it. You know what the only requirement is? Desire and time. it if you have a hunger and thirst for the word of god and you want to grow in christ guess what it's all open to you we're not masons there's no exalted 32nd degree hidden things you got to go through it's all open it's right here now most of us don't want to spend the time we don't have the desire to grow in God's word. But it's all here. Every bit of it's open to us as believers. Wow. About three quarters of that was not in what I was planning on saying. Oh well. That's for somebody. You know what we do? We're, we don't necessarily exercise the sign gifts, not being charismatic or Pentecostals. But you know what we do as, as Baptists? We, we elevate missionaries and to a certain degree some celebrity pastors. And we give them status. That's just a calling. A missionary to China, and we're going to hear from one on November 3rd, Jack Burns, him and his wife, Janet, served in China. You'll hear from them. I hope you're here for that service. It should be great. Put in a plug for that, November 3rd. But that doesn't make them more superior to someone who's here. It means that God gave them a different call on their life. Pastor James and I are serving as pastors. Why? Because we're better than everybody else? No. That's a call that God placed on our lives. We're not superior or more special to God than anybody else in this congregation or anywhere else. The spiritual gifts were given for a different purpose. And they're not to create division within the church. Well, a second indicator, uh, and there's only three, and then a reason. But the second indicator that all believers are to serve is because God has empowered the church through the spiritual gifts. If you look at verses 4 through 6, it says there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5, varieties of service, 
but the same Lord. Verse 6, there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God. This is a Trinitarian God. What you have there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all active in giving his gifts to his church. It's the same God. So, if God is the one who gives the gifts for energizing, and there's God, and this is the, the Trinity is a hard concept, but in essence, God is one, but he has chosen to reveal himself in personalities through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Co-equal, co-eternal, co-everything. But if there is complete unity within the Godhead about giving the gifts, does it not stand a reason that they should not, these gifts, cause division within the church? Yeah. Yeah. God is the one who gives the gifts for a purpose. It's the same God. There's no division. So there shouldn't be division in the church. Now, why has he given the gifts? Well, when Jesus was ascending, he's there on the mountain with his disciples. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he gives the Great Commission. And that mission is, as we go... Into all the world, we're to share the gospel and make disciples. We're going to take the light into the darkness. And just like carpenters have tools, just like doctors have instruments, God has given the church gifts in support of this mission. We all have the same mission. We're supposed to use the gifts that we've been given in spreading the gospel and making disciples. And if we have that same mission, if it's not for show, if it's not for self-glory, and we're all on the same page, then it's going to work. Now, you ever thought about how God could have done this? He's chosen to have people who are problem people, sinful people, even though we're redeemed, we have issues. We're having, God's using people like us to tell other people about Jesus. And what if an angel showed up at your house, just popped into your living room and said, hey, this Jesus thing is real, and you better get with a program. You think that gets your attention? Would mine. I mean, Jesus could Jesus himself could pop up in the Capitol building. He could go to the he could go to any cave in Afghanistan. Why hasn't he? He's chosen to use us. Are we going? Are we telling? 
Are we using the gifts that he's given us to further that mission? Because for whatever reason, he's chosen to use it or do it through us. Third, and this is important because you think, okay, well, God has given the church these gifts and that's great. You know, other people have them, pastors, Sunday school teachers, but I don't have one. Well, a third indicator that each believer is to serve is because each one has been gifted. Verse 7, the first part of verse 7, to each, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Bottom line, if you're a believer in Christ, you have been given not will be given, but you have been given a spiritual gift. You may not know what it is. You may not be using it. You may be using it improperly, but you've been given a gift. And the whole point of this is to help us understand this. Why? Because in the Baptist church, a lot of times when we think about ministry, the phrase we hear a lot is, That's, that's what we pay you guys for. That's why we got pastors. Biblically, if you look at the New Testament as a whole and you look at Ephesians chapter 4, you know what my main job is? According to Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 11, I'm to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The saints. Who are the saints? How many saints do I have in here? I got four. All right, great. Uh, let's get with it then. You four will meet together and we'll, we'll get this thing rolling. If you're a believer in Christ, you're a saint. We've been messed up by this Roman Catholic teaching that saints are some exalted people that do miracles and, and they're famous and important. And all. I just read it in the first part of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. To the saints who are at Corinth. If you're a believer in Christ, you are a saint. That means my job, my main ministry is to equip who? The saints. Who's that? You guys. And what are you supposed to be doing? The work of the ministry. That's why he did it this way. How much impact do you think I'm going to have on one of your friends or one of your co-workers that doesn't know me from Adam and if I pop in there and start telling them about Jesus? Are they going to trust me? Do you know what level a pastor has in an area of trust outside the church? Probably not much higher in the church, but I mean, outside the church, it's, it's low. Because they look at, you know, the TV, the, the Benny Hens of the world. But you know what? They know you. They've known you for years. You work with them. They know you say you go to church. You're going to have much more impact sharing the gospel with him than I would or the pastor James would. 
Now, there's things that I'm supposed to do, and it rightfully so, and that's why you do have pastors, and I try to do those. Don't always do those right. But that's what I'm trying to do right now is equip the church, the saints. But again, bottom line, if you're a believer, you have a gift, and if you've got one, God expects you to use it. And this very last point is it's an important reason Okay, the others were indicators. This is the reason. Why have you been given it? We're not even going to go through uh, 8 through, through 11, but the end of verse 7, for the common good. Here's the thing. If you aren't using your gift, the kingdom advance is weakened. You know, there's a principle... In, in all kinds of different industries, all kinds of uh, different things with uh, material goods in, in, in business, it's called a Pareto curve. I learned about it in engineering. But basically what it's saying, if you sell a certain amount of items in your store, 20% of your items are going to account for 80% of your sales. If you have different product lines, energy-wise, things like this, there's this 20-80 rule. And you think, okay, well, that's business, that's culture, that's da-da-da. should be different in the church because we're talking about supernatural. We're talking about God. We're talking about Jesus, the Spirit of Christ. No way in the church that curve should be the same. No way that 80% of the ministry is done by only 20% of the people. But it's the same. That means there's a whole bunch of people that aren't using the gifts God's given them. That's what that means. And if we're not all working together, then the gospel advance is weakened. Not that it's stopped, but it's weakened. If we're not using what God has given us, we're not accomplishing what he's called us to do. Well, don't worry about somebody over here. What are we doing? What are we doing? I, I haven't even defined what a spiritual gift is, let alone talked about them. So come back next week. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pick up there. As we close this service and Mark and musicians come, I, uh, if you're not a believer in Christ, you don't have a spiritual gift. But that's where it starts, to where you get to the point where you can say, that Jesus is the Lord of my life. That's where it has to start. Because if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, the rest of this doesn't matter. It really doesn't. That's the starting point. But if you are a believer in Christ, are you serving? Have you accepted the truth that, hey, God didn't save me just so I could come and sit on a pew a couple times a month. 
God's got something for me. Don't know what it is right now. But God's got something for me. I just want you to be open and ask him. This is a, if the Spirit of God who gifted you with a particular thing, do you not think he wants you to know what it is? Do you think he wants to keep you in the dark? Do you think he wants you to just sit there in confusion? Or do you think he wants you to understand and to grow and to serve and to advance the kingdom? Yeah, that's what God wants. So we have this time of invitation. Like I said, it starts with Jesus as Lord of your life. But if he is, he's calling you to serve. And we as believers... Just need to trust and obey. Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. It's a challenge. But God, you didn't leave us all alone in this. You've and are indwelling us with your Holy Spirit. You've equipped us. You've given us things that we might do ministry together. God, just show us what you would have us to do, and help us to be faithful and obedient in doing it. We ask and pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Everyone, please stand and turn to page 657. Cleanse me.